This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. So we're we're in a oh we're in a loud Costa. Hello, um, Costa. About to be interviewed for Resonance FM's show Little Hello. Atoms. Do you listen to it? No, I can't say I do. I do know lots of people who've been on it and stuff though, and I'm sure it's very interesting. Have you heard it? No, it must be good by association. <laughs> but I we haven't listened to it. I wonder if he's listened to us. We're just all going to be winging it out on the Nobody knows anyone. On your show where something interesting happens. Well, I, I assume that um, we're going to do something fun and interesting. That's my hope. I think I hope it will be. Didn't he um, speak at Boring? Either this year or last year. That rings a bell, actually. Yeah, I think so. He did. I think it was this year, and I think it might have been about... American food thing. With all the horrible food and the ten things to avoid eating when you go across America. Yes. Okay, yeah. this, is, this is ringing bells. Yeah, it's quite funny. So, um, I think he'll be all right. I like the, uh, the music playing in the background. I know. What, God knows what this sounds like. We haven't got any... We're just recording into a phone at the moment, which is very unprofessional, <laughs> even by our standards. Um, but uh, how have you been? I haven't seen you for um, for about half a beard. It's been it's been a couple of weeks. I think I've gone from um, I've gone from sort of tidyish short beard to looks like it might be getting not. I mean, it's nowhere near Dan Cat territory, but you know, get, getting wizardy. I think I'm moving towards wizard territory. It looks good on you. I think it suits you. It's, yeah, I think you're getting to the stage where it looks like it belongs on you. You see what I mean? It you're, looks intentional. In it. Yeah. It looks like a thing I'm trying to yeah. do. I think these long bits here on the sides are quite interesting. Sort of like the, the wispy... He's holding edges the edges of his moustache. <laughs> the moustache The Fumanchu moustache hanging down into the beard and making it big right. and thick. It's quite, yeah. quite good. There are areas of my face where the, the facial hair is quite thick and abundant, and there are others where it's quite thin and, and straggly. Mm. And I reckon if you leave it for long enough... <laughs> is there something you can like rub in? <laughs> you try different substances. Growth promotion. There must be. Try, rub some, like... Um, Horseshoes. Oh, hooves. How have you been? Um, okay, yeah. I just had a really early start this morning to get down to London for this. But, um, yeah, I've been quite busy doing my bits and pieces of freelance in Sheffield. And I'm just wondering if that was our host, but I, I don't know. Do you know what it looks like? Uh, up by the bar, then. Yeah. I don't think... I think he might have a beard. Oh, what if he shaved it off? I would, I would be completely lost. Yeah, I would, I mean, <laughs> if he, if he had a beard and now doesn't have a beard, then yeah. we're in trouble. I know. But this, this should listeners it? should know that this is this is the first time that we've um, been interviewed for anything. That is we've, true. We've often asked people to interview us. Yeah, nobody, we've, we asked we've, Warren Ellis we did, to interview we did, us. We Warren and said, would you like to interview us, Warren? I thought he got close. I thought he really thought about it as well. I think he would if we, if we really pressured him into it <laughs> against his will. I keep, I keep meeting the eye of hipsters in this, in this cafe. Um, I, I just did it again. So I think Little Atoms is a bit like the sort of slightly more serious shift on stop of Resonance yeah. FM. Is it like the click? Is it to the Resonance Maybe. FM as click is to the BBC? I think it's that sort of thing. Oh, that, that's, I remember him. That's Neil Denny. That's what he looks like. Well, that's, no, I don't think that is. <laughs> that's another Neil Denny. That might be him. <laughs> I'm so bad with faces, name. I don't that, know if that, that is the same him. person. Oh, what are we going to say about, um, about our podcasting experience, Ruth? Well, we need to prep a bit. The nice thing about um, being interviewed is that people ask the questions. Mm. 
hopefully he, yeah, there won't be any massive awkward silences. Especially if it's live on air. Although we could engineer some if we decide to vote and just not answer <laughs> just some sit there awkwardly for a while. Oh. We could do a walkout I don't, if it's live. If it's live, I'm in big trouble. I, I don't cope well with that sort of pressure environment. Well, we did that live um, radio roundabout thing Christmas before last. That was pretty poor. It wasn't our best work, was it? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't necessarily our best. Um, I'm a little bit spaced out. I had um, I had a good night's sleep last night, but the night before I slept for about three and a half, maybe four hours at most, which was a bit of a bad a bad thing. Oh, you had a terrible journey home. A terrible journey home. Yeah, it was a dreadful journey home. What happened? Oh, just you know, trains, signals, problems. I got on the train at half seven, eight o'clock, and uh, got home at two in the morning, which was a long journey. Yeah, that was bad. Still recovering, actually. I'm I'm now wait, awake enough to be grumpy about it. Yeah. Which is um, a good a good feeling. Hello. Oh yeah. <laughs> good. And this week's show is an interview with Layla Johnston and Rue Reynolds, who present Shift Run Stop. Shift Run Stop is a comedy podcast full to the brim with games, geeks, and special guests. And um, you mentioned earlier, Rue, that you introduced Layla to the um, to the Blue Peter Garden. Yes. As listeners might presume, that means you know you just took her there on some you know some weird <laughs> weird date. But of course, basically, you were you, date. At, <laughs> at that point you were working at the BBC. I was in yes. some other completely different capacity to, to broadcasting. Not even in radio. Mm-hmm. I was I was in TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so then you used to record the podcast basically just by grabbing rooms around around the BBC. <laughs> so you were sort of recording yeah. Shiver and Stop in that you know the great BBC. Edifice, but <laughs> like, yeah. I, always got, I always got a massive kick out of that. It really confused people as well. We had to be really clear with guests when they came in that yes, yeah, yeah, we were yeah. meeting in a BBC building. Sorry, BBC. Um, we were meeting in a BBC building. We wouldn't be using a studio. We were going to a meeting room. Sorry. <laughs> um, and it's not a BBC production. We had to be really clear with people because obviously, you know, you give them an address of somewhere like Television Centre. Yeah. And either they'll get freaked out or they'll start getting different got, expectations. Or they'll say, where's uh, yeah. the, when you said in the car? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we got, yeah, which they did sometimes. But I think, I think we got clearer with people as, like, as the deal closed. So <laughs> kind of, they would say, oh, really? You'd yeah, leave I it said, as, yeah, as, as the booker, I used to go, yeah, we're recording at BBC. And then maybe. Maybe a couple of emails later, it's not actually BBC production. <laughs> but now, you, now you're interested, um, why don't we just meet up tomorrow? <laughs> the thing about us calling ourselves a geek podcast is partly to it's like a red light it's like a warning to people that yeah. you know you yeah, might not like you. this yeah. you might yeah. not you know we've yeah. got a picture of a tape cassette from a 1980s computer if that appeals to you probably you'll probably love the show mm-hmm. let's face it but, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. you know but if if you don't know what it is if it's all a bit weird and you, you don't think of yourself as a geek and everything geeky is really unpleasant to you then yeah you probably you probably this isn't for you yeah. and you're bound not to if you're into any one aspect of what we talk about or find yeah. interesting or, you know, kind of identify with, you're probably not going to be equally interested in all of those things. No. You know, it might be that we just, you know, touch on the, the outer edges of somebody's interest in one particular thing once. But for some people, our level of interest and attention when we, when we talk about things like, you know, the ZX Spectrum or the history of the Commodore 64 or, you know, how this particular game came to be or whatever is nowhere near detailed enough. Yeah, you know, we are true. facile and yeah. we scratch the surface of culture 
in a way that actually in, in our private lives, you know, we, we do get deeply, deeply obsessed about things. <laughs> but in order to be at all interesting to, you know, a kind of broader mm. um, range of people, we, we do have to keep things fairly... But it's got to be kind of it's got to be fun I think as well to right. listen to and like there's talks that I've seen that have been amazing about um I was thinking about this I host co-hosted a event about the 30th um, anniversary of the ZX Spectrum last year and some of those talks were so hardcore it was just people reconstructing a spectrum <laughs> from scratch and stuff and like it took them like 5 years and they did it all in the attic with massive bits of paper drawing the circuits <laughs> out it was just mind blowing that level of commitment mm. but that wouldn't be an episode of Shift Run Stop No I think we're the main we're, we're the know, kind of um you know populist view yes. of some geeky culture in a way that doesn't just point at it and laugh but mm. actually embraces it and identifies with it in a way that feels sort of honourable and respectable both to the outside world and to, and to the people who are deeply into that thing and know that we're not yeah we're not just mocking we, we actually want to lift the lid on something in an interesting way Shift, run, stop. hello this is simon out of trev and simon sorry trev can't be here today but he's dead this is shift run stop it's your fun stop. It's episode um, in the late 60s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe 67, 68. About that, 68, something like that. And we'll just, like, take the edit of the one that we said. <laughs> um, and we've got Natalia Buckley with us as a guest. We haven't had a guest for ages. We've gotten how to be polite to people. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very good at being polite to people either. Welcome to Shift and Stop, Natalia. Hello. Are we saying that right? Is it Natalia? Yes. Where are you from, Natalia? I am from uh, a very far away village in Poland. Well, it's not actually a village, it's a very small town where nothing really happens. <laughs> so when you get to about 20 years old, you have this insane pressure to suddenly pack up your stuff and leave. And now you live in London? Yes, I do, which is very exciting. I've only been living in London for the last two or three weeks. And I live in Peckham, which is uh, the uh, new shortage. <laughs> that's what I say. Nobody seems to agree with me, and people kind of look at me and are like, Peckham, really? Really? How are you finding it in comparison with Brighton? Because you were there for a bit, weren't you? Uh, Brighton's obviously like the best place in the universe, uh, and we have a seafront there, which London's definitely lacking, so I think London should build a seafront. <laughs> it would be a major improvement. You know, there comes a time and young person's life when they just have to move on and go somewhere else in search for an, of an adventure. Natalia and I met through the Happenstance Project, which we talked about on this podcast a bit a few episodes ago, uh, which was a thing that where they put technology people in art um, institutions to see what happened. And um, Natalia was... Were you already living in Brighton? Yes. You, right, so you applied for the Brighton one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I applied for it and I didn't realise I was going to get the Brighton one. Okay. Um, but I was obviously really happy when that's what was suggested. And then did you know about, because you were at um, the gallery is called Lighthouse, I say gallery, they probably don't call it a gallery, do they? No, no, no. That'd no. be too straightforward. Digital Culture Agency. <laughs> oh, really? Are they an agency? <laughs> uh, well, no, well, they're more like, um, they do arts, they commission arts, they look after artists, they organise exhibitions, but they also have um, this little hub of companies that rent out office space from there. So they kind of try to... Um, I think foster a lot of sort of digital culture that's happening, mm. which is not just sort of arts related. Mm. Um, so they kind of, I think they play a really key role in Brighton in, you know, really helping culture happen from sort of various sources. And what did you do there during the Happenstance project? What was your role with them? Um, so the idea was that um, you put technologists in arts organisations and you just let them do whatever they like, hoping that 
their approach to work and making things and doing stuff will suddenly make people realize that you know it's a good idea to review your own processes and look at how you work and how you communicate um, and how you actually approach some of the problems I guess as well organizational ones as well as you know other and when you bring in an outside outsider with a completely different approach to things, I think it's easy for people to suddenly realize that, oh, actually, we can do things in a different way, or we can be more creative with how we do things. And uh, I think for them, it was just having me and James there, it was a catalyst to really start thinking seriously about how they work. And it was really exciting to see, because I could you know, watch the changes happen on a daily basis. And after Happenstance ended, they loved me so much that they let me squat the desk in their office. <laughs> so I basically stayed there. And I could see like the changes actually become permanent. Uh, and brilliant. you know, I could actually see them use the things we've built with James over the course of three months. And what sort of things were they? What, what sort of things did um, you build during the project? So the major project we worked on was called Offbot, which was a journaling tool for teams to kind of talk about what they've been up to. Um, and it's a sort of automated service that emails you once a day at a random time and says, hey, what have you been up to? It's and like you, an office robot. Yeah, and you're free to ignore it, but you're free to reply to it. And it just collects the responses in a, in a timeline. And because it's kind of like uh, a friendly thing that has a personality and it's not nagging and it's not your boss asking you what you've been up to, and it kind of comes at unexpected times during the day. People tend to respond with the, the first thing on their mind. So they're kind of like really sweet, um, top of your head responses, really sort of um, the kind of stuff that you don't really like remember or don't really think about when you're reviewing your work, when you're thinking about your work in hindsight. These are the kind of like insights that I think you lose when you just go back you know, once a week or once every fortnight, once a month and think, oh, how did this project go? People started like replying to things like, you know, I've been yesterday. I went to see this uh, exhibition and it was really amazing, and they write like a really long essay because that's what they've just been thinking about. Mm -hmm. You know, other times they reply with like, oh, I've just had this phone call and it was really frustrating, and you kind of get like a really rich picture of how people work and how they work together, mm -hmm. which I think is really nice. That's really cool. Are you still using Offbot at Lighthouse? Yes, I keep seeing Honor talking about it. She's really into Honor Hager. Is the um, director, like artistic director or something of, of the space. But I think like the happenstance in general, I felt like all the institutions felt they got something out of it, which was good, because it was a massive experiment. It could have gone either way, and nobody knew what was going to happen at the beginning. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think especially at the beginning, um, in one other place, um, you know, I think there were like teething problems and like difficulties mm. and uh, the uh, participants adjusting to one another or adjusting to the way people work. You know, like some of the uh, guys in arts organization were like sort of had really rigid processes and expected things to happen like on time and in the office. Whereas, you know, I just like come in whenever I fancy mm. drinking coffee and, you know, do whatever I like and look at cats on the internet. And <laughs> that's kind of my way of working. I think it's quite unusual <laughs> to a lot of people. I don't know why. I really don't understand why. But they were okay with you being like that at Lighthouse? Yeah. Presumably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but I think that's the other thing. Was like, um, I felt like at Sight Gallery, it was, they, were, they were almost like so used to working with artists that they were kind of treating us like artists. And we felt a bit like we were not acting enough like artists, I suppose. Like, we were, like James would be like, especially James, because he's kind of got a kid and has like a sort of grown-up structure to his life. He'd be like, I'm going to be in the office at 
put the kettle on, see you there. First thing tomorrow, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I needed like 10 minutes from the office at the time as well. It was, just, it was so bad. We had this like phase shifting over about three months where I'd like gradually start to kind of come in later and later, finish later and later. And you were coming earlier and earlier and we'd sort of see each other somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, re- I really, really enjoyed it. I had this like secret game plan at the beginning. You? Where oh no, I you're, like, you're like a character in Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Disrupt everything. Because I basically arrived a week early Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I just like use your desk to do my own work? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. And the idea was that the project would only happen over three days so that you had time to do freelance work and mm. support yourself throughout. And I was like, oh, can I like be here five days a week? Is that, is that, is that going to be a problem? And they're like, no, no, it's not going to be a problem. And my plan was basically to like end up talking to everybody, finding out everything about them, what they like, what they do in their spare time, become friends, take them out for beers, you know, become really good friends, and then figure out what it is that I can potentially do to improve the organization. And it seems to have worked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a noble game plan. That's not, I thought you were going to say, and then, and then sting them all. I thought you were going to say blackmail. Right? <laughs> yeah, get to know them really well. Find out all their secrets. <laughs> but I did, I did eventually find out all their secrets, but they're still like secrets. That's fun. So tell us about Peckham and what, what you're doing now. Uh, so I live now in Peckham, which is amazing. Uh, Peckham's really brilliant, and there's like at least one organic bread shop, there's a cheese shop. Um, what else is in Peckham? There's a post office. Uh, do, you, do you know? Um, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. This is fascinating. <laughs> is there a pub? <laughs> there is. Do you, do you, um, are you aware of um, Only Fools and Horses? I know your English is okay. Your, so, like, obviously, really good. yeah. Um, I don't know all the cultural references, but people have told me that <laughs> in Only Fools and Horses, there's Peckham, and Peckham in Only Fools and Horses is shit. I don't know like what it was like because I've never seen it, but it, like, I can guarantee you it's completely different now. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson Mandela House has been knocked down. That's, yeah, that's, that's where, where they, they live. live in, yeah. oh, cool. I mean, giving her more references from a programme she hasn't seen is probably, like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Is there a pub with a bar that opens and somebody oh, might fall yeah. through it? I mean, there's so many things you that you've to got to catch up with. It's so funny as well. I've seen that moment on like 100 Greatest <laughs> Clips from like, British comedy. You, yeah. I wonder if you would find it funny though, because it's no. so. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of English people don't find it funny. But it's, it's got like references, like the granddad, is it the granddad or the old uncle is a, who sort of, sort of Lee or no, he knows about TV. But um, in a good way. But, uh, Depends which series. always actually. going on about the war. Yeah. And, um, During the war. Yeah, Buster Merrifield. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and again, it's a thing about like our generation's grandparents or our parents' generation's grandparents, maybe, always going on about the war, and um, that's the, like a massive thing in this country. But, I mean, maybe in Poland you get that too, because you were also involved. <laughs> well, it was a war. We were kind of involved a little bit more. <laughs> I have to say, like, we were warring before it was cool. <laughs> Okay, and we held out for ages without your support. You just did not care. You sent us a bomber, and you just dropped the leaflets down. We were so disappointed that like, you broke our heart, Britain. You broke our heart. Glad I brought this up now. <laughs> but you, you are doing an amazing podcast as well. Uh, it's called Amaze Balls, mm-hmm. and uh, I Is did Amaze Balls. Dot be. Uh, it's run by me and uh, Hyper Linda, mm-hmm. uh, aka Linda, <laughs> and we just talk about all sorts of random shit 
that we can think about. It's a... Uh, Chiffron Stop listeners will love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably will. It's like, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, you know, some, some of them are, like, really useful. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're talking about all sorts of, like, stuff useful for freelancers, you know, like, charging for your work and dealing with difficulties and, like, approaching clients and stuff like that. Like, amazingly useful stuff. And, like, they managed to, like, make it sound all, like, warm and friendly. And you just, like, want to listen to it and they're funny. And there's lots of podcasts that are kind of, like, useful or, you know, mm-hmm. current and stuff. And me and Linda just thought, no, let's just make the complete opposite. <laughs> so <laughs> what's, what's an episode of a make? Yeah. <laughs> Relatively untapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no competition for that sort of thing. So what's an, an average episode of Amazeballs like? It's full of ums and ahs. <laughs> <laughs> and me going, science, science. No, you should you should just go and check it out. It's brilliant. How many have you done? I, I heard like some of the first one that you did, which was like a pilot one. So we did really some one. of it. Um, yeah, I only had time. I was busy, all right. Um, I, I think I heard more than half of it, and uh, it was really good. And you were having a really good time. It sounded like it was just really fun to listen to. And you were both talking about how you were like two halves of a symbiotic being or something. We only had two episodes so far: the pilot episode and the first episode. And I've already. Uh, the person who edits the episodes for us, uh, Sam, who's like really brilliant sound engineer. So you work for free? <laughs> no, no <laughs> I have to pay. Wow, uh, okay. But uh, he said that the second one we've recorded really badly. He's been just fixing it, and it's actually worse than the first. <laughs> so we managed to learn absolutely nothing. <laughs> so uh, you know, extrapolating from the data points we've got already, it's just going to get worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, within three episodes. <laughs> you're recording underwater <laughs> on a boat so you have like a schedule where you're trying to get them out at a certain speed and the plan was once every fortnight but uh, it's difficult cause... you do it on Skype? Uh, yeah right. mm-hmm. um, but I'm completely um, my schedule I, I just like I can't run my life I feel like I need adult supervision <laughs> to tell me what to do and when because otherwise things just not happening. <laughs> that doesn't change. As you get older, that's exactly what life feels like all the time. Well, my mum used to be in charge of that, but, you know, she doesn't do that anymore. And I'm slightly pissed off about that. You, know, like, you can't just, like, start off, like, being really supportive and organising somebody's schedule and then be like, OK, now off you go and do it on your own. That's, that's rubbish. <laughs> idea to like get a special mask made for recording podcasts so I can modify my voice and sound slightly like Darth Vader because <laughs> I, I keep giggling and going yeah I'm being like, really sweet and I thought well no that's not what I want to sound like I want to sound like evil and terrifying <laughs> it's interesting isn't it you can't disguise that fact about yourself like in writing you can sort of sound like how, you, how sincere you want to be and everything but if you're when you're talking I find that's a problem as well it's good it's interesting you and Linda sounds fairly similar as well not, not obviously you know that's like a really racist thing because <laughs> <laughs> we all sound the same foreigners <laughs> where's Linda from then Norway, Norway. oh well, that's practically the same as Poland <laughs> exactly so, I don't know there's something about the, your voices that are similar um,
I like your hair, Natalia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's a good blue streak. <laughs> It's all fake. <laughs> There's this amazing place in Camden called Peppy's where I asked them to, like, you know, make it quite conservative. <laughs> <laughs> and they did that to you. They gave you a blue streak. That's <laughs> great. So it's uh, the most extreme haircut I've ever had. <laughs> But for Camden, that's, uh, that's pretty chill. Natalia um, used to have quite long hair, didn't you, when you first when you started Happenstance? Yes. And then your image just changed like every two weeks. It's amazing. <laughs> what does Natalia look like today? And then, um, You, when you had it cut quite short, it's maybe around the time that I saw you in Brighton for the um, uh, digital festival thing last summer, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm going to get a perm." Fucking amazing! <laughs> Please get a perm. But you had really, you had like now you've got really short hair and a sort of an undercut and stuff, and you you had quite short hair then. I was wondering how that was going to work. You looked like something from like an 80s band. Well, really the thing was, okay, yeah. I used to work in this coffee shop, and the owner owns uh, a hairdressers as well, mm. and uh, I always cut my own hair. And one one day he walked up to me and was like, "Do you want a haircut for free?" I'm like, "Is it really that bad?" <laughs> He's like, "No, charity haircut. It's, it's really not. But I could just like let you have a haircut for nothing." I'm like, "Okay, I'll give it a go." So I had this free haircut. And then two weeks later, I thought, actually, do you know what? It's quite nice. Maybe I'll go for another haircut. <laughs> so every time I went for a haircut, I got it shorter and shorter. Are you still think you're getting a perm? Uh, you get no. extensions and well, a perm. Well, they refused to give me a perm because they said that with my hair, it's just going to go completely wild. Oh, Okay, 
you know what we're going to do? We are going to shave it all off. That would be really pissed off because there would be nothing that you can do with that. I'm just going to leave you the fringe. And she was like, okay, let's do it. So I shaved up her hair, leaving just the fringe. And she was the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. And my dad was pissed off at me for ages. I was grounded. How is it that you're inspired by Jessie J and not, for example, Sigourney Weaver in any <laughs> I think Jessie J looks better. <laughs> No, but Sigourney is good too. Oh, yeah, clearly. Isn't she like really old now? Oh. <laughs> well, she is now, yeah. I mean, <laughs> compared to you, that really is a bit old. But um, Gail Porter, she rocked a whole bald she head thing. She was good, pretty yeah. good with a bald yeah, head. Yeah, the thing is, everyone would just think you had cancer, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, right. <laughs> that, I'm sure that that can be done to somebody's advantage. Yeah, that could work <laughs> out for you. You'd get a lot of sympathy. People would start like, buy, buying you more drinks. <laughs> Your haircuts. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, you mentioned your dad, Natalia. Um, well, I love when you talk about your dad because he sounds like a real character. But you, I remember you telling me once, um, when you, what was it? Oh, sometimes you, you used to email your dad. So when I first left Poland, I arrived in a, in a, in a big UK, in Crawley actually. In <laughs> Crawley, yeah. <laughs> Which was obviously horrendous. Um, and I used to uh, go to the library or like, oh actually I used to sneak into college and pretend I was a student there to get like some time on the internet because I didn't have a computer or a smartphone. So I would then like uh, proceed to write very long e emails to my father. And they would be like really long, like, oh, I went shopping and I bought some orange juice and then I went home and we had some vodka and then I went to work the next day and, you know, I took the bus and it was fun. And it was like basically like minute details right. of my boring life. <laughs> um, so then we'd like go on for ages. And then he'd reply to me with a single dot. <laughs> a dot? <laughs> not even a word? A full no, stop? No, just a full stop. I've read that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's amazing. dog sitter who I'm just trying out today um, has taken my dog for the weekend and um, has just sent me a photo of him with some other dogs who I don't know who they are. <laughs> but I don't like that. They might be bad influences. Well, then let's hope they're nice dogs. Yeah, let's hope. He looks like he's having fun. He's, he's attent, alert, so attentive, <laughs> paying attention. He's being strangled by this dog's tail, so I'm not <laughs> He is at least not visibly attacking them. So yeah. <laughs> so. He's a lot smaller than they are. But... <laughs> don't say that. Well, he's I'm younger, worried. I expect. Oh, Brody's sweet. He's he's getting quite big now, though. So is he turning on the kettle on demand? Oh, I haven't got to that yet. Oh, yeah, come on, mate. Like, everyone's waiting know. for the kettle trick. Yeah, I should work on that. I've been a bit busy. I haven't taught anything new for ages, actually. Brody, down. 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 Good boy. Brody, speak. Speak. Good boy. Brody? Bird? Speak. <laughs> Brode, speak. 
Was this on the last one? If I say spread them, he like jumps up against the wall and I can pat him down. <laughs> I think that's a new one. <laughs> that's going to be handy in the future. So if you have to start smuggling drugs, you'll be able to quite quickly. <laughs> Is he going to wear a Hawaiian shirt while he smuggles drugs across the border as well? Probably, yeah, I need to get some more outfits for him, really. He's got a bandana, but, um, which, is, which is quite dodgy, I suppose. Is this how you tr- tr- teach animals authority? <laughs> Just like using, using standard police methods? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you chain them up as well. Oh, God. Them in their cage. I don't want to know. Control their food intake. There's a cat in the house where I'm living, in oh. Peckham. <coughs> And it's a very lovely cat. She's sort of half feral. <laughs> she sounds amazing. <laughs> she really likes being outdoors and doesn't like cuddles very much. And she's quite, <laughs> and she's quite chatty. And uh, she like knows how to make me do whatever she so likes. like noisy, needy, demanding, unfriendly cat. <laughs> she's basically ideal. Did you see a picture of you cuddling her or something? You said that you... Well, she um, uh, slept on my bed. Uh, a few times, yeah, so she basically that. proceeds to lie down in the middle of it, and then I have to find myself some space around. <laughs> oh, can I ask you about Alarum? How do you say that? Alarum, Alarum. I'm not sure because I'm foreign. And <laughs> what do you say? Did you invent? I don't know. It's um, like old English word that uh, Shakespeare used to describe sudden uh, noise or something happening really suddenly. Okay. And making a ruckus. Like an alarm almost. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it was a project I was working on with Caper, uh, and they've been commissioned by uh, Royal Shakespeare Theatre to come up with three interactive sort of art pieces mm-hmm. almost. And there was no brief. Basically, brief was, hey, do what you like. Here's a budget. Whatever. That's always a nice starting point. <laughs> um, do what you like is always fun. It was really, really good. Uh, so Royal Shakespeare Theatre, they got a, a number of design and art students to do something similar. They got like loads of people to do like tiny little projects. One other project that Caper were involved with um, was Tom Armitage's project, which was really brilliant, that was mapping kind of movement of actors on stage during specific parts of a performance and trying to visualise that somehow. But, spirits melted into air. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but we did a project about the building itself, because I was really, I'm, I mean, I don't know Shakespeare very well, we read some in Poland, but, you know, I'm not really interested uh, so much. <laughs> Sorry. <Are> you, <laughs> you know, I know it's like a canon of literature, and yeah. I approach it like every canon of literature, basically read it once and then walk, slowly walk away. <laughs> um, but um, what I was really interested in was the fact that actually to make a play happen, it's like the massive teamwork exercise where there's you know hundreds of people involved to make this thing happen for you for a duration of an hour and a half and most people who come to see a show turn up there and you know um, maybe go for a meal beforehand go to see a show go for drinks afterwards and then leave and actually the building itself lives almost 24 7 and there's constantly like stuff going on and stuff happening that actually makes it possible for you to enjoy the show um so I thought, wouldn't it be fascinating to actually see how the activity within the building changes in different areas at different times of the day or different times of the week? Um, 
and you know, like what that maybe means. So we've put um, four different sensor devices around the building, two motion sensors and two noise sensors that were measuring kind of uh, activity going on in four different areas. One of them was, um, we had a noise sensor in the swan bar, which is where people always go after the show. And we had a noise sensor in the green room. And we also had motion sensor in the wigs and wardrobe department and one near the stage door. Um, and the data was being sent every 20 to 30 seconds to Cosm, which was just logging it. And then on top of that, I've run out of time and budget and I've built like a really quick visualization app that just kind of tries to figure out whether the changes in like uh, reading levels mean that something just happened, like a really quick thing happened, really sudden thing, or whether it's like sustained period of activity or inactivity, and to try somehow m to match some of the Shakespeare's like stage direction texts to kind of these events. Oh, nice. And actually, what I've realised uh, was that um, at first I thought that I needed really granular, really good, really accurate data. Uh, to be able to do something interesting with it. So I spent a lot of time trying to prototype devices that would work really well and log like really accurately and stuff like that. Yeah. And actually once I've done that and once I put them in situ and once I tried to visualize the data, I realized that actually that bit wasn't really important. That thinking what to do with the data and how to understand it and how to approach it was the really tricky and interesting bit. And I've run out of time to actually spend enough time doing it to make a really good job of it. So I feel like it, the project was almost, it, w it really wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be because um, I made wrong assumptions at the beginning. And actually, if I had the chance to do it again, I would do it completely differently. I would spend almost no time whatsoever building the devices because, you know, the variations of data is what's interesting and right. not their accuracy. Right. And are the outputs from this project available for people to have a look at? Um, for the duration of the project, the website was still live. Now I have to somehow figure out a way to make it uh, available but not live, so at the moment it shows no activity. Right, yeah. but if people wanted to look at the historical data on COSM, they'd be yeah, able to do that? Yeah, that's still available, and you can pull it down as XML document and you could do something elsewhere. Yeah, nice. So that was my, my idea initially that, you know, okay, so I'm logging all the data and it's really fascinating, and I'm going to do something with it which might be interesting, but maybe other people could do something much better. Yeah, right. And actually, um, the Royal Shakespeare Theatre um, when I said to them, okay, I'm going to log it completely publicly um, and it will be available to anyone, they said, okay, that's fine. Oh, that's brilliant. So, that's really uh, really brave of them to not, not get freaked out about, oh, people will be able to see how many people are in our, in our green room or whatever. Yeah, I didn't expect that kind of, um, that kind of um, uh, uh, I don't know, like from a really big sort of uh, organisation with lots of people, with... Uh, brand to look after and you know kind of a, a serious organization I did not expect them to be open enough yeah. about things like that or actually yeah, I can understand what that means so I was presently surprised that's really fun It's snack time. What have you got for us? I, I did bring some Walker Sensations things before mm. um, I think they were the nuts uh, these, this, is, this appears to be um, just sort of uh, regular crisps. It's smoked Monterey chili with goat's cheese. That sounds like a flavour sensation. It, given that it's crisps, <laughs> there, is, there is some level where it's, it's, it's like they're taking the crisps. <laughs> There's a lot going on just in the name alone, isn't there? 
but you know, it was enough to pique my interest. For of course. This, for this. So what, I mean, there's so many words there. Is it smoked Monterey the, chili? The chili is smoked, right? It's not. It's right. not Monterey cheese. It's Monterey mm. chili. Yeah. With goat's cheese. Uh-huh. I know what goat's cheese is, but obviously they're going for the kind of uh, crisp consumer who would be able to recognise. <laughs> the taste of a Monterey chili. And right. specifically one that's been smoked. Uh, yes. So this packet of crisps is about the size of an A4 piece of paper. And this one is uh, 150 grams and it costs about two pounds. Oh, God. Oh. Sorry. Oh, God. Mm. Mm. cheese and onion. Well, it's supposed to... It says, with the first bite, the sweet smokiness of chili and cinnamon envelops cinnamon the taste buds. Yeah, they, they just <laughs> spring that on me. <laughs> <laughs> I could have mentioned that sooner. Well, you, don't, you don't put cinnamon on, on the front of a packet of crisps because that's just going to confuse people. They're going to be like, cinnamon crisps? So it's, it's probably better that they don't emphasize the cinnamon. Straight I really like these. I, I am getting the goat's cheese a bit mm. now on, on these sort of aftertaste, actually. These yeah, are great. nice, yeah. If anything, I think they compare favourably to the... the Canonical Walker sensations, which is the um, sweet chili. <gasps> Those How are great, dare aren't they? You? Sweet chili ones are the best. <laughs> you think these aren't nearly as good? No. Oh, no. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer, prefer these. Actually. I like them. Yeah. They are nice. They're, they're quite weighty, these as well. They could, um, you could bounce pound coin on that. <laughs> <laughs> which is the quality I always look for in crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Made in a factory that also. Handles wheat, gluten, barley, soya, celery, and mustard. Did you work out which factory it is? It doesn't well, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I imagine Sherlock could. I imagine he's <laughs> throwing all the factories. <laughs> it's here on a map. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it can only be this one. <laughs> because they don't mention nuts, so that eliminates quite a lot of factories. There aren't many factories that don't handle nuts. Finished with the, uh, finished with the press. Um, uh, this is a packet of something that describes itself as new. <laughs> and it's chocolate-covered pretzels. Mm, and I said new. to myself, how is this new? So these are chocolate-covered pretzels from Cadbury? Yeah. Who was responsible for pretzel flips? Never heard of that. No. I don't remember the pretzel flips. Is that, is that too 90s? <laughs> <laughs> Layla wasn't born. <laughs> I'm quite good on 90s snacks normally, but I don't know. I, I mean, I wasn't aware of pretzels until about 2009. So. Wow. Yes. That is a it's, Amer- it's American, that's the thing. Yeah. Quite uh, yeah, um, chocolate-covered pretzels, quite popular in America. Never really took off in the UK. They had pretzel flips were mainly launched in the UK as um, fudge-covered pretzels. Fudge-covered. And were they on one side? I seem to remember pretzel no, flips being on. Oh, it's fully, fully covered. Yes. Enrobed in, in fudge or chocolate. <laughs> but these are chocolate ones. I don't think they are fudgy at all. Are they chocolate uh, all the way They through? are Capri's chocolate. So they're quite small pretzels. And they've got, I'd say, a, a fairly generous coating of chocolate around them. It's not exactly overwhelmingly chocolatey, but it's got a, it's got a bit of Capri's chocolate around it. How can you tell the difference between pretzel and just some biscuit? Because to me, I... I pretzels should be salty. Mm. Okay. But they're not salty. No, they're not very salty. And also, Cadbury's chocolate, is, I wouldn't even call it chocolate, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I had, we, uh, during communism in Poland, we had a chocolate-like product, <laughs> right. <laughs> which was supposed to resemble chocolate as closely as possible, and it basically tastes like Cadbury's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have Polish natural. I'm going to get sued by here, Cadbury now. Insult our chocolate. <laughs> yeah. It's not even your chocolate anymore. <laughs> well, insult, I guess, is it Kraft's chocolates now? <laughs> Are we done with the? I mean, it's 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 a new it's a new brand, I guess. Oh, Chock okay. full of pretzels. 
Uh, they're all right. If you miss pretzel flips, that's probably the closest that you'll get at a reasonable price. Because you can still buy pretzel flips, <coughs> but just from the import shops. I like the fact they've made them relatively small pretzels, so the um, the ratio of chocolate to pretzel is, is more generous than it would be if they went for massive pretzels. Yeah, I mean, you can obviously you can buy pretzels on their own. You dip them. You can self dip. If, if, you do, if you're yeah, buying that'd be great. If you're buying these for the pretzels, <laughs> you, 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 you know, the off first. You, 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 it's not. It's Set not an economic. It's not an economic <laughs> approach to buying pretzels. But you know, last thing. Uh, these are Starburst. The uh, new name for Opal Fruits. <laughs> when you but, say new, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not breaking news that you're. <laughs> well, you know, it's possible that somebody had been in for a very long coma and, and is just discovering, you know, that they've renamed all the uh, breakfast etc. <laughs> <laughs> it's Snickers now, not Marathon. You're just using yeah, people into the 21st century, <laughs> I guess. It must be a huge part of, the, of your audience. 20-year <laughs> coma victims. Well, it's the internet. Somebody must. Somebody yeah. out there. You know, somebody's going to go, yeah. I just noticed that today. That used to be your called Opal Fruits, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so these are Starburst. And uh, these are Flavor Morphs. Flavor morphs. Yes, oh which does sound like a sort of like a sort of Japanese <laughs> Japanese import um, live action show. Right. Uh, Badly dubbed. They all, they're all sort of shades of red and pink. Uh, yeah. So there are, I think, three different flavors, uh, and by three different flavors, three different morphing flavors. One of them goes from strawberry to strawberry and pear. One of them goes from raspberry to raspberry and pear. Right. <laughs> and she- <laughs> Does the third one go from strawberry and raspberry to strawberry and raspberry and pear? It's not clear whether they're bi-directional, whether it can go from strawberry and pear back to just strawberry. Um, And then... I, I can only taste pear now. I, I wasn't even paying attention to what the first label was. Mine went from sweet to sweet. Mm. I chewed it too soon, good. I think. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was strawberry. There, there are more. I have a feeling there's, they all there's probably There's like a whole packet of these things. <laughs> I've had the dark red. I'm sure that Willy Wonka, uh, one of the things that he found in, in the chocolate factory, one of the things that he invented, <laughs> Charlie found it, <laughs> Willy Wonka made it up, <laughs> was the, the sweets that changed flavour and, and you yeah. got like a whole roast dinner and oh, then a right, dessert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, but just with pear added to... Yeah, this one tasted of pear to start with. I think this one is by direction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you put it in your mouth the wrong way around. <laughs> um, I'm not getting the change. Yeah, neither am I. How is... How is this? Are you supposed to put them in water? <laughs> so what was the third one? We, I don't think we ever quite got to it. You've not got water in your mouth. Um, um, cherry. Oh, the, it what? looks like the dark colour is cherry. But it changes to what? Cherry. cherry and lime. Oh, OK. Maybe cherry and pear doesn't go. Mm, the pear one is disgusting. They're all... They Pear's a horrible flavour. The other two do. <laughs> Pears are not on a very nice flavour. <laughs> they were really pleased with the pear flavour. It's, like, it's like if you bought this, but you hate the taste of pear. <laughs> well, they are quite good at the pear flavouring, though. I can see why they put it in so often. <laughs> the, other, the other red flavours, I'm not so sure. I can't really tell the difference. I've always really wanted to work in a factory that makes flavourings for sweets. Hey. Yeah, I have. It's been a long-term dream of mine to be able to 
to mix different chemicals together and taste them and go, oh, this is just like whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. That's what we do. That would be amazing fun. Just randomly <laughs> selecting chemicals. And Any chemicals. It's not quite like pear enough yet. <laughs> I, have, I, I have seen, um, I think it was at the Master Foods place, they, uh, I'm not sure they were doing taste, but they were, they were trying to mix different colours mm -hmm. of things. That's easier. Yeah. Because you can see what's happening. Whereas with, with taste, you have to keep tasting it. And, and of course, once you've tasted a few things a few times, I imagine you, you start to lose the ability to differentiate between them. Maybe you only work then a couple of hours a day. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Finding even more reasons to do this, yeah. And you get to eat sweets all the time. Do you think you would ever get bored of eating sweets or chocolate, though, if you worked in a sweet or chocolate factory? They say it happens quite quickly, don't they, if you work in a chocolate factory. The thing you always hear about the Cadbury's factory is you're allowed to eat as much as you like, and after about two days, nobody wants to eat anything ever That's again. You have to really pace yourself then. <laughs> <laughs> really enjoy just it. Just have a really nice one at the end of the day and then just fucking clean them out over the course of about 10 years. But um, yeah, when I worked in, I don't know if you found, you said you worked in a cafe as well, but when I started working in a coffee shop, I didn't drink coffee and they were like, oh, you will, you will. And then after a week, I was just fucking hooked on it. Um, because you could drink as much as you wanted, so you just did, and you shouldn't sleep. Yeah, exactly. At the end of sleep. When I started working in the coffee shop, I don't remember sleeping for no. like, the, the entire duration of my employment there. Yeah. I've got a similar story when I was working as a drug mule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it leeches through. <laughs> I love that, but I'm sure. Mm. Were you been listening to Shifran Stop? <laughs> yes, a, a sort of slightly undone episode of Shifran Stop this week, but, um, but a good one. I think we might just put all of that out as live. <laughs> are, you, not... are you going to give us an update on the beards, though? <clears throat> also, oh, yeah. um, Lee's shaved drastically. He's gone right back to the skin. Yeah, quite, quite a quick shave this morning, because I didn't want to be judged. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want people to look at me and judge me on my beard, yeah. because it's, uh, you know, that's another... Oh, that's good. Um, I went for a... I went for a minor trim just to tidy up a bit and get rid of some of the wizardiness. Um, That's good. That's all right. And we've, we've had a listener beard sent in, so yes. we'll, we'll play the listener beard now. And thank you for that. Someone else sent in... Um, we've had a few listener things. Someone sent in the... Uh, episode number for the episode of The Simpsons with the Vaseline on the teeth that we mentioned last Oh, time. nice. Um, so thanks, uh, Mr. Savory, on Twitter for that. And, um, <laughs> we can't remember the number, but thank you for sending it to us. <laughs> We've had quite a few suggestions for X-File episodes yes. that we should narrate, so I think that might be the next episode. Yeah, um, the, uh, the Tombs one's been quite popular. Right, let's do that then. Um, is that not like the first episode? Yeah, the, I think he's in a couple of episodes, isn't he? Old um, Eugene Tombs. Right. <laughs> well, that means it'll be quite easy to find on the internet then. I'll be fine. Oh, yeah, true. Um, or uh, or I could rent short. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I could Even, rent or buy it. Yes. So that'll be fine. Um, and in other news, I went to a sound bath. Recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that? Uh, so this man lays you down and uh, makes sounds <laughs> near you. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was really I good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done that too? Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, think, I don't think it's called that. It's really good. Um, a sound bath is um, an opportunity to hear different uh, noises, including uh, Himalayan singing bowls and Tibetan <laughs> gongs and bowl. yeah the singing bowl is a, it's like a it's like a, an amazing tuned instrument and you you rub it with a, a suede stick yeah you rub its rim very gently uh, and it sings to you and it makes this really good noise 
So, um, did they make you close your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I did close my eyes a lot. And somebody, there was a, a small group of us, and somebody did fall asleep during the uh, during oh, the sound bath. But it was very relaxing, and uh, the first few minutes were just sort of breathing and calming you down. Take your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was plenty of comfortable uh, comfortable things to lay down on. But I would highly recommend it. I think it um, was a very relaxing experience, and I really enjoyed where it. Did, where do you go for this? <clears throat> well, this was uh, at a man's house. Um, <laughs> we went to a man's house and we lay down on the floor and he had a big a big um a big gong and lots of smaller instruments. <laughs> See in my head none of this sounded rude. Did you find us on Craigslist? I was specially invited to his ambar. I was just an honoured guest and um yeah, he want, um, he's, he's uh, practicing to be like a, a sound he's a therapist. Fan. <laughs> it, uh, he, Is that how you heard about it? it I, don't think he, I don't think he's just to it. Uh, no, he's a friend of a friend. So okay. he's, uh, yeah, he's uh, a, a colleague of my wife, actually. Well, sometimes your friends stop fans invite me around to their houses. Right, to make noises <laughs> near you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they don't. Of course they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, yeah, so, so you went around there and, and it was relaxing. Was yeah. it supposed to be therapeutic and relaxing? Is that the point of it? Yeah, I, I don't know the science of uh, sound therapy, but even just laying down and paying attention while somebody is focused on you and making noises to, to relax you. <laughs> My, not making noises is about as vague as I can be, because as you will hear, yeah. the noises are quite varied. There's... Oh, so you took a recording? Oh, yeah, I recorded the whole thing, yeah. Um, so I won't obviously play the entire hour of, uh, of sound bath for a Shiffer and Stop listeners, but I, was, I thought I might cut it down to a few minutes, and, uh, you know, and I, would, I would highly recommend it. That's lovely. Well done. So thanks to uh, Dave. What have we met? What have we missed? What else has been going on? In the last episode, we talked about the effect, the play that I went to see, that where Lucy, the writer, swapped seats with me, and then SJP was sat opposite me. And, Sarah Jessica uh, Parker spotting. Yep. Yeah. Well, the music for that play was written by um, Sarah Angus. No. Yes. Well, the world <laughs> is a small place. Because Sarah knows Lucy through me. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so all the way through, I was like, listening to Sarah's music, wow. Lucy's words. And, of course, the uh, Little Atoms podcast was, was fun, uh, yes. and we'll have put, put a few bits from that in here as well, although probably not too yeah. much of it. Yeah. Um, go and listen to that. That was good. Yeah, we were interviewed for Resonance FM's Little Atoms show on Resonance FM, um, funny <laughs> enough, in, uh, in London um, a few weeks ago. By the lovely Neil Denny, who, uh, as you'll have heard at the beginning of this, we didn't recognise before... Uh, before going in, but by the end of it, we were firm friends. And if you've ever wondered what we think of the thing that we do every so often, mm. uh, and why we do it, and all that stuff, then that's a good uh, a good hour's worth of your t- time, or half an hour if you listen to it on double speed. Which you know, you could do that. It was quite, it was quite nice being interviewed about doing this. Like we we always do the interviewing, but we've never sort of talked about it before to other people in that way. No. We've never been you know not in public anyway. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And also being in a real radio studio was quite exciting for us. Yeah, proper. Camping out in stairwells. <laughs> I have to say, I'm really enjoying this sort of clandestine operation <laughs> in the back of the thing where, you know, security guards are getting interested and are we going to get kicked out or not? You know, are we being here illegally? I, am I going to get deported? That's, a, you know, my biggest worry. It's part of Labour's punk ethos. We, uh, we don't like to stick to the rules too much. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back uh, in your ears fairly soon.
That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk.